Welcome to Solomon's Temple. In this episode, I want to introduce to some the philosopher Martin Heidegger. Martin Heidegger was a German philosopher. He was into existentialism. His existentialism is highly technical. It's very technical. It's um, You can refer to it as a sort of word salad, but really um, it takes some dissecting. It takes some looking into. I'm going to try to do the best I can at taking what Heidegger has said and just making it as accessible as possible. So for people who haven't re don't really have a mind to like grasp this level of philosophy or to deal with this kind of level of existential thinking, here I am. I'm just taking my time and uh, using my skill set to try to interpret what Heidegger is saying, come up with some meaning, and give you a, a quick short explanation on the things that he's trying to say. Because Lord knows that Heidegger has like his own little language. It's like it's like his own little island of philosophy, you know. No one really does it like him, and that's why he's he's such a looked at person in the 20th century. Now I read Being and Time when I was about 24. I started in philosophy. I definitely got into it. I became obsessed with it, and then you know before I knew it, I was reading texts like Being and Time. And this is one of the most scholarly looked at uh, books in the 20th century in terms of modern thought. So with being in time, it's being, you know, and he breaks down uh, different elements of what it is to be things and kind of phenomenologically and technically goes through being in all different kinds of modes. There's just a ridiculous amount of modes of being. Now, when I do the next episode, which will be particular parts of being in time, and I'll go through them and to construct the best explanation I possibly can, I'll just borrow from a few sections. One will be the most broad um idea of approaching being and time and then he'll get into more uh, details about what it is to be in his own interpretation of it which is dasein dasein as being being in the world being as such who is the being what is being in general i'm not going to give away the conclusion about what he says about it but i'll try to just hint at and even rediscover what heidegger is is trying to do with his whole project on his existential philosophy but first, I just wanted to open up with an interview. And what's kind of funny is my dad's name is Robert Solomon. He's Robert A. Solomon. And this is an interview from Robert C. Solomon on Heidegger. And I'll just kind of go over what I think is interesting about the interview so you can become informed and acquainted with the man. Before the interview, there is a quote from the fundamental question of metaphysics. And it goes, Philosophy is essentially untimely. It can never find an immediate echo in the present. When such an echo seems to occur, when a philosophy becomes fashionable, either it is no real philosophy or it has been misinterpreted and misused for ephemeral and extraneous purposes. But what is useless can still be a force, perhaps the only real force. What is untimely will have its own times. So there's a sort of sense where Wherever we are now seems to be rather elusive because the general conception of being becomes very marred with issues. And Heidegger was a Nazi. Some say he was a Nazi through and through, but others maybe uh, who aren't too biased or critical of his philosophy will say, yeah, he participated in the Nazi party because he was German. It was fashionable. It was a fashionable philosophy. It was untimely. It was misinterpreted. It was misused for extraneous purposes, and it was a force, of course. So yeah, he's laying this out, and he was. Some say that he discarded that uh, soon after joining, like maybe a couple years after joining and being on board with the Nazi party. 
he sort of, you know, saw the error of this and threw it away. And one would think you would being uh, so highly intellectual and, and smart and, and aware of existence. So Robert interviews him and says, would you consider yourself an existentialist? And Heidegger says, for me, existence is that kind of being towards which Dasein can comport itself in one way or another. So in other words, for things in existence, there is a kind of being toward which being itself comports itself in one way or another. So there's a multifaceted way of being. There's ways in which being are. There's way in which being is the essence of being in some way, to be what it is in one way, rather than it not being a thing. And we see uh, lots of people talk about existence in a way where you don't regard someone else's way of being as really existing. And that could be emotionally abusive, but it's also kind of the um, behavioral framework of arguing or conflict is that there are these, you know, basic um, things in human na nature, such as conditions of being thrown and abandoned into the world. You know, you have to deal with your life, and there's some sort of removal from other lives, but everyone is sort of thrown into the world, and there's some sort of abandonment to being in that world. And he also uh, goes through existence as being important for death. It is an important fact to understand in human life, and that also that anguish or angst is basic to human nature, and that the purpose is to live authentically and to find your true self. And that is sort of the uh, quest of being, as you want to find out who you are, and you want to be yourself authentically and truly. Heidegger also says that being, or sein in German, cannot be comprehended as mere beings and cannot be deduced from any higher concepts or represented by any lower ones. We are asking for the ground of being the essence of being, that it is, and what it is, and why it is it rather than not it. Heidegger doesn't traffic in ethics or in values. He says that he has no ethical theories, he is not a moralist, and he thinks that almost everything that has been done in the name of ethics, and by men fishing in troubled waters of totalities and values, is fundamentally mistaken in attempt to say what cannot be said. So. He's, he's thinking that it isn't real enough. It isn't ascertaining the very grounds of existing totally. It's just going off of feelings or mistaken concepts that people employ in order to achieve one end that their thought process trying to generate. Robert asks him, what do you mean the question of being? Why are you asking the meaning of the word being? Are you asking an ontological question, ontological being? the essence or foundation for existence criteria. What is the grounds for being? It's asking sort of like a theological thing. Why would there be everything rather than nothing? It would be like asking, why did God create the universe? Or why, why are we existing? Heidegger says, it's for all of them and none of them. The word being is an enigma to us, spoken but not understood. And it is being itself that interests me, not mere beings, which seem to so obsess Sartre. He has a thing for Sartre. And you are right that my question, or rather the question, rather theological, as you put it, but I do not ask why God created the universe. I do not know what it would be to ask such a question. That's what I'm trying to find out. He says, the people who say the reason why we exist is because God made us, because God gave us his law, and that's the reason why we exist for him. And it's funny that God is a him here in a patriarchal kind of sense, but a and he says, yeah, that they have the answer. Those who think of the Bible as divine revelation don't question it. They know why they exist. But to take the step away from it and say, no, that is not the foundation for existing. It isn't existence in that way. If you take a crucial step 
and take on all the consequences of that step. And those consequences are related to where you were born, what family you were born into, the ontological nature of how you think of existence and why it is existing will change the framework of your mind. It will change you in a fundamental way. So in that way, it completely negates and says, yeah, it is God, but also no, it is not God because the way in which being is understood is not well understood. And it's spoken, but it's not grasped. We don't know, for him, we don't know the grounds and foundation of being itself. There's only spoken at acts of as if it did exist. So for Heidegger, to be human is to grasp the question of being. So to ask who we are, that wouldn't be the right question because we cannot know because we are Dasein. But as a being in the world is how we experience Dasein. We are situated here and being around others and being in situation and being thrown into a world or abandoned to it we have to deal with our own situation of being our being in the world so we are in a world and these worlds are the general conception of being which we cannot know but they're in a sense known so as our being in the world we are situated within being and that goes for every other being and for every other being to know its situation it knows itself in relationship to every being that exists that is its comparative narrative or its comparative situation or the way in which it knows itself or what it's engaged with or what it has access to or what other people have told them and also the way in which you authentically live within yourself and walk a path of the undertaking in which you're supposed to given what your life is allowing you to be and to become says that any of these essential features or personhoods among Dasein is Dasein no matter how reduced it is that these features of all human consciousness that we are describing the essential features of Dasein whether an error whether being or not so we cannot define Dasein's essence says Heidegger by citing a what of the kind that pertains to a subject matter Matter. In addition, we cannot define it because its essence lies rather in the fact that in each case it has its being to be and has it as its own. This being said, it is a mere possibility of Dasein itself and to be itself and to not be itself, whether it has chosen these possibilities or maneuvered itself into them or grown into them. So there is no making of oneself, there is only the remaking of existence itself. There is a just knowing of an affair of being, an ontological structure of the ontological affair itself that is essential. So to understand one's existence is not just to know that one exists. So in which case we exist is not to ask the question if we do or how we exist, it is just simply to be and that in each case of being that it is mine. For Heidegger, in order to be yourself, you have to choose yourself and win yourself. And to be authentic is to lose yourself or to only seem like you have chosen yourself or you, you are sort of um, pretending to pretend to know yourself. It has nothing to do with being sincere or genuine, but just to have your sort of ownness in the world. He says the truth about existence is people don't typically find themselves, and that's an issue. They rather find someone else who is precisely not themselves. So, so Robert questions, so who do they find? And Heidegger says, they find Das Mann. Heidegger goes on to say, the whole of Western philosophy, at least since Plato, has been caught up in the idea of the individual subject, isolated from the world and distinct from other people. Descartes, in particular, has divisions between the subject or consciousness and the object of the whole world, including his own body, becomes an absolute. Descartes presumes his immediate experience 
was only his own ideas, his consciousness, and we have already shown that it is not so. There is no consciousness to be discovered, according to Heidegger, only one's being in the world. One cannot separate that expression into the conscious being on the one side and the external world on the other, so that everything external and internal are informing the nature of yourself. They're an expression that go together because it's all part of Dasein. There would be any um, remarking about what separates oneself from everything else would be an illusion because there is no inner or external world or a consciousness either. There is just being here. There's just being in the world and being itself. Knowing who you are and knowing your true self is to know that the others, so we say, are actually ourselves, but we are to see others within ourselves and know our true self so that we may know the only way we can know what isn't ourselves is knowing that it is ourselves because it is a part of Dasein. But to reject what is not authentically ours and to know oneself in that only way you can know yourself is through the others, that you are being there, but you are not only being there over and against others, you are being there too along with the others. One does not distinguish oneself from anyone because it is all a part of being there in the world. Everyone is. And it is through that fact of knowing that you are there and knowing that also you are there. You get to decide the possibility of being who you are so you can be what you want to be in your ownness to being and living authentically within yourself to find yourself and to know what is not yourself. As an extension of ontological structures, he goes on to describe a hammer. When we reflect on what a thing is, we don't call a hammer a thing until the head flies off it. It's not only until it becomes some sort of problem that we view it as a thing, but first it is a tool. It is a sort of useful extension of what we are as Dasein. It becomes a part of us in the effects we have that is in some sense us. It is connected to us in a foundational way to our own being, given that it is an artifact and it is produced, but it is produced out of the essential ontological nature of our own being. Furthermore, to comprehend the nature of your being or the meaning in life or the meaning of your life, death being unto death forces you to realize the meaning of life. Now, I have faced a, a close encounter with death before, and I even had a dream last night about death and how I felt, I can't remember how the dream went, but I was on a cliff and I started to recognize how important it is to embrace being alive and how averse to death I am. And when would it be appropriate me, for me to release the aversion to it? Is it a, simply a procession of, you know you're going to die and the whole goal of philosophy is to die well. And that's well known even in the uh, Socratics, pre-Socratics way back in Greece, this has been um, a thoroughly looked at thing in philosophy is, okay, well, how can I embrace the fact that I am going to die? Is it just some relational aspect of how I see myself now? Or does embracing death have to happen when it happens? Is it a part of acceptance? Or could I only really embrace my death until the full cycle of my life has come to fruition? Is it only embraceable when I've reached the end, like the authentic end, the one in which I have found myself, I have lived out my entire life, and now I am ready to die. It is my time. Would that be an acceptance or embracing death? Or maybe just knowing that, yes, uh, the possibility of you dying or coming close to death, like not only like in a dream sense, like I've been rafting before and, and oh my gosh, like I felt like more, my mortality was at stake. Like I just, it was such, it was just such an incredibly, not only invigorating process, but 
my being felt as though it was in danger. Its mortality was at stake. And after that whole thing, I felt quite alive. I felt ready to just embrace life and even embrace it so much to the point where, like, heck, just you have to live your life not in fear of death. Just live it to the extent that you're not even fearing death, that you're so in the moment that if death was a possibility, that's okay. Maybe that's really living. Maybe having an aversion to death is feeling unfulfilled. Maybe a fulfilling life is having a brush with your mortality and living to the extent that at any moment if you did die, you would be okay with that or you would die well. The end is just a very, very weird thing for us because to be is to be in life and to the whole point of life is to undergo it, is to maximally undergo your life. So if you feel as though you can't die, then you haven't lived yet. Maybe this is the point is to realize your authentic self and actually live and come to a point where you're living so well that it wouldn't matter if you've died because you've you've truly lived but then again maybe it's just a process of things happen when they happen when they're supposed to and you're supposed to live out your life that the end is supposed to come when it's supposed to that maybe that things are supposed to happen for you that there is a sort of procession that must occur before you can accept and die well but maybe not maybe it doesn't have to do with that. It, we can abstract that out, but in the end, I, I'm not really sure about that. I guess if you're living well and living authentically, then you know you can die well, or that death is really nothing. But maybe also death has to come at the end. Oh, this can't be the end. This isn't the end. I can't accept this death. You know, I can't die well. Right? Is it a good life to be able to die well whenever, or can you only die well when it's truly at its end? Something to think about. So, as a shock delivered by death opens up our thinking to how we view ourselves ontologically, it starts posing these ontological questions. It calls into question how we are to understand our existence and how we are to approach ontologically framing our very notions of how we are to be and how we are to find ourselves. So if we have an understanding of this, we become at home in the world. And it's not merely knowledge, but that it is this undifferentiated feeling of at home versus upon an average everydayness. Thinking ontologically comes only with a great effort. And what most of us call thinking is not that at all. Indeed, the most thought-provoking thing about our age is that we are still not thinking. He says that thinking, ultimately, is about one thing only, being. Anything else is mere curiosity, and talking about anything else is merely idle chatter. The fundamental existential structure of Dasein is to care. My definition of care, he says, is neatly, divide, neatly divides into the three components of time, the past, the present, and the future. To be Dasein is to be temporal. To be Dasein is to care. To care is to exist in time. So he does not mean clock time or that sort of thing, but essentially that it's measured within Dasein, that there is a sense of a presence and the passing of one's own existence, that there is an existence here, and then an existence that is past, and an existence that is yet to be, and you are traversing a sort of authentic ownership of what your being is, that you truly care when you are authentic to your being, or to being in general, and that you are present with your own being, and that your sense of time, and that your sense of understanding everything isn't rationed out in any sort of way. It is done presently. It is done always. It is done so as a way of being that permeates all throughout the sense of being at all times. So then it, there would be an awareness of that rather than a passing or a fleeting moment of acknowledging what your existence is or was or will be, or in a sense of becoming, that time temporally within Dasein is measured out 
within how you are seeing the way in which you care about things and also integrating what it is you are caring about and whether or not you do or do not care about certain things within the sign, whether or not you were living authentically or not. To exist within your past is to exist with facticity, to know of one's past and what has occurred in it what kind of being presented itself, whether it was authentic or not, and what kind of describes the pattern, and whether or not it's your own. The fallenness aspect is the present. So you get stuck in your everydayness, you get stuck in stagnancy, you either embrace an authentic authenticity of your own self and it eternally recurs within you, or you do something that is inauthentic. And there are plenty of things in the world that draw you away from who you are. So everything within the present that you may encounter has a type of fallenness to it, and that being in that sort of state, you take on things that are inauthentic, whether you are authentic or not. So in a sense, there is a fallenness to the being at present, that things always exist within you in the present aspect of your own being that are fallen, that are inauthentic, that will not be. Or it is taken upon you that there is always some sort of ontological structure he mentioned, such as language, that will give you a false impression on how we are describing the subject in which we're talking about. And he sort of drives home this point when Robert asks him, what do you think about nothing? And he says, you can't. To speak about nothing is impossible. It's metaphysics. So existence is enclosed in a thisness or a what there is in being that we know of. Everything that is outside of nothing, logically, logically stated. And to be able to speak on what the nothing, how much nothing there is, maybe there's a how much of nothing or what exactly is nothing, but that's something that can't be said because we don't know. And to talk about nothing in any meaningful way wouldn't need to happen unless it's like to know that we can't talk about it or to explain you can't say nothing about nothing then, then maybe you can because that has something to do with why we can't <laughs> so that's another component of the existence uh, criteria of the, the sign of that yeah um so robert then goes on to say that well then what is the end of being in the end is being rather standing within the disclosure of being is what i call the existence of man so man is being. No, says Heidegger, man is only the mask of being. Then we know, know only the appearance of being, says Robert. No, no, no. You obviously have not understood anything I have been telling you all night. It has been a wasted evening. I'm going home. <laughs> Heidegger's all pissed off now. Being is the mission of thought, and the thinker utters being. Language uses man, and so discloses being to itself. So within the nature of our ontological structures and the way in which we are able to generate a, a better understanding of the nature of what it is to be alive and to be the mask of existence, it is better understood to know what nothings we are and what we don't know as our existence to better affirm the existence criteria of what it is to be who you are as an authentic self in the world. That you, you Your word is your bond, so... You are disclosing yourself unto your being as a way in which Dasein is expression, expressing itself inauthentically or not, and that through the being of Dasein, we think through it, and that we utter these instances into being. So to be a mask of being, you think of persona as a person, you are a whole entity, a whole human being with everything in it. You're the whole of the way in which Dasein is getting expressed by you. But if you're wearing a mask, you are existing inauthentically for others and not for one's own most authentic self. So you're a persona. So you're a part of, you're playing a part because you are being there at that time, not yourself, not owning your own self. So in the same way, there is an even greater thing outside of us and we are masks onto the whole of Dasein in general. And that goes for every being within it too. 
it is expressed in that sort of macro realm as well and that's sort of reminiscent of all the worlds of stage by shakespeare okay well heidegger stormed off i guess he drove home drunk or something but yeah well, that was that so that was an imaginary interview by robert c solomon he played the part of heidegger as a more authentic sense of being heidegger himself and then there was robert playing himself as a more ignorant pupil to heidegger so hopefully this sort of laid more of a foundation for heidegger as a person and as a philosopher before I start getting into particulars in his book, Being in Time. Well, if you enjoy this podcast, go to patreon.com forward slash Solomon's Temple. And of course, I just love doing this, but I would like to also have essay competitions and be able to give back in some way, just hand out t-shirts and, and do a bunch of creative things so that loyal listeners will not only get something as a thanks for li listening to me to reward you, but also because I'm not doing this merely to make ends meet or to gain uh, lots of financial freedom or anything like that, but more because I love doing it and I would love to have the people that really enjoy me that would give to me out of the kindness of their own hearts to be able to give back to them for being such good loyal listeners to me okay well that's it for that one the next one will be heidegger's being in time thank you for tuning in i'll see you next time